Welcome in. It is a Friday night on News Radio 600 Kogo. You are listening to Darren and Jack. One hour with you here on a Friday night on the third day of September on Labor Day Eve. With you till 8 p.m. I'm Darren Smith. He is Jack Cronin. Thanks for making this part of your holiday weekend. Jack Cronin, Labor Day weekend. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, we're off on Monday, so I'm doing even better now. You Say know? what? Yeah, we're both off on Monday. This is great news. The powers that be have been uh, very generous to us and given us the day off on Monday. So uh, we uh, we actually have a real holiday weekend to look forward to here in about an hour. Tell us everything you know about Labor Day, Jack. Take us back to the late 1890s here and tell <laughs> right. us the history of Labor Day, since not many people will be thinking about it this weekend as they're enjoying a three-day weekend like you and I are, as they're getting set to go out to the beaches, to the barbecues, to do what it is, maybe go into ball games. Maybe we'll see some people at Torreira Stadium this weekend since you and I will be in the same facility yes. at the same time for the first time in about a month coming up on Sunday. Tell us everything that you know about Labor Day and why it is that we get an end-of-summer holiday weekend. Well, I mean, look, I, I don't know the exact uh, history of it, but what it does is it honors um, the everyday working person, uh, in particular those who work in organized labor. But uh, this is honors the, the commitment to hopefully a better uh, working relationship in the future, right? Whatever level that we're talking about. It's a nice day to take two seconds and remember um, that kind of relationship and celebrate the day off, and it's a well-deserved one, I think, here, especially what we've been through. Nobody complains about Labor no. Day, right? No. Uh, even though some people might be uh, against the concept of unions or the overreach, I would say is a better way of framing that uh, of unions. But, you know, that very much now 40 day work weeks, getting a couple of weeks off, maybe getting some maternity leave now, some paternity leave, getting an extended weekend here at the end of the summer. It feels like we're all on the same page with this, even though at times it's often said that, you know, perhaps unions do a little bit of harm in addition to the good that they've done and created. But everybody would agree, we just want to enjoy a three-day weekend. Right, exactly. And so, again, if you take, if you're, you know, and Darren has a good reminder for you out there, if you take, you know, 30 seconds to just think about um, what relationship you might have in the workplace, uh, whether it be uh, union or non-union, uh, whether it be uh, employer, employee, whatever it is, just think about that great relationship you have, and hopefully you celebrate uh, maybe working toward a better future together coming up on Monday. Did you ever have to, Jack, when you were in school, did you ever have to read The Jungle, the Upton Sinclair book? I did, yes. I mean, I mean, is that, I mean, that's like what working yes. conditions were actually <laughs> like back in the day in this country. Like, It's amazing because you hear about so many of these places all across the world, right? It's often yeah. said about sneaker manufacturers, about the way cell phones are built. And, and you know, you start feeling guilty when you're rocking a pair of new sneakers, a pair of kicks from Nike or something that was created somewhere else. And you hear about some of the working conditions there. Like that was what was going on here in the 1800s in this country and even in the early 1900s, right. which is how we ended up, you know, hopefully in a much better place than where we were when books were being written about working conditions. Right. And, and by the way, there are some people out there who would tell you that some of those conditions still exist here. And we're right. always working toward uh, a better thing, a better, uh, you know, work week, work day conditions etc um, we're always working toward that uh, thing and even you know having uh, been lucky enough to travel here recently even in some other countries you would consider to be developed countries there are still quite not the protections that we enjoy here um, from certain wages and certain you know contracts and expectations and that kind of thing so there's always work to be done uh, as long as everybody figures out that we're on the same team never been part of a union ever ever been in, in no, one I've not um, and I'm not you know I'm kind of agnostic on the the topic you mentioned how they get a bad rap sometimes and that comes from the overreach right that becomes from mm -hmm. you know hard tactics and overreach and mandatory this and mandatory that but the bottom line um it's it's a concept that's useful in many cases 
I've only been a part of a union once in my life, and I was a teenager. I couldn't have been more than 15, 16 years old, Jack, and it's I, I was clearly not prepared to start the show talking about this, as we are here on a Friday night on Labor Day weekend. I often like, whether it's Memorial Day or whatever the holiday is, you, sing, you spend a single second before you just load up the refrigerator full of beer and meat to throw on the grill. You like giving it a quick second's thought. I was in a union. I worked at a grocery store where I grew up on the East Coast in New Rochelle, New York, and... You paid union dues and you'd see it come out of your check, even though I'm a minimum wage employee at the time. And, you know, what did I need a union for? I'm 15, 16 years old, right? But, you know, once upon a time, then I found myself in a little bit of a situation where I, I had done something incredibly stupid and I needed the union to help me out. <laughs> I had a behavioral situation pop up and the union then was was going to take my side or represent me so i had to go like find my shop steward and all this sort of stuff like what the hell was i doing i'm 15 16 years old i'm not working in some factory you know i'm just a kid who has a job who's just you know packing groceries and all that sort of stuff yeah i uh, was an idiot who shot a, a bb gun into a watermelon in the produce department okay and i got suspended right. and instead of getting fired the uh, the shop steward had to step in there and make sure that he was uh, that I was being treated fairly according to the union rules. See, there you go. You know, just a young, naive kid <laughs> with a BB gun in the store. By the way, can you imagine something like that today? I mean, no. You know, but, yeah, just a young, naive kid having a good time, you know, and, and yeah, you probably would have been fired on the spot <laughs> had you not had the representation. I probably should have been fired on the spot. Well, that's, that's i got to be honest, show. looking that's back now, like, well, like why are we shooting show. BB guns yeah, into watermelons inside of the grocery store? Yeah, that sounds like good. a pretty terrible thing to do. That's not good. Not a good situation. Yeah, but so. you've learned from that. You're a better person now. You've I would guess. Me. Yeah, I would guess. Well, hey, I know this also. This weekend heading into Labor Day weekend, Jack, it is it is sort of, you know, as you as you look around a little bit, as you and I get set for the show and as we get set for ourselves to enjoy a three-day weekend, although, again, you and I will be out there at Torero Stadium with San Diego Loyal and LA Galaxy 2 at 3 p.m. on Sunday. Um, you know, it is one now where we're seeing a lot of public health officials uh, when they're allowed to speak, we are seeing them issue some words of caution. You know, some elected officials issue some words of caution because what we've known and what we've experienced here. So for about, I don't know, the last 18 months has been holiday weekends usually have represented a little bit of a spike. I will say what is different or what stands out to me about this is, you know, we've, we've been through a couple of holidays. We've been through Fourth of July. We've been through Memorial Day. We know what the holidays in the winter were like and what they represented, et cetera, as people were just then starting to get vaccinated in February, you know, late January, February, March, et cetera, even to where we are today, which we'll talk about tonight. But, you know, you do see, again, some of those words of caution specifically for those who are unvaccinated. You see a lot of public health officials urging unvaccinated people to be extra cautious this weekend as whatever they're planning, whatever travel plans they might have. There, you know, you see the same sort of urgency, you see the same sort of, of very cautious predictions, but uh, it is very specific to those who are unvaccinated, at least as I've been able to watch. Right. And, you know, we're coming up on the cycle of now the second year's worth of holidays second fourth of july the second labor day you know come up in these second rounds of these holidays during a pandemic uh and so specifically to your point the cdc put out a recommendation here today uh, kind of advising against travel especially for the unvaccinated um kind of comparing things to spring break you know the large crowds and avoiding this and avoiding that and just being careful because if you are unvaccinated you are at a greater risk as we have detailed over the last six months 
that of these large crowds, it's the unvaccinated that the Delta variant really attacks and has the risk of putting in the hospital. Otherwise, you know, it's it's really just more of personal safety and caution rather than what we saw at the end of last year, which was don't celebrate Christmas, don't celebrate Thanksgiving, etc. Yeah, there was a lot of urging to not do anything, you know, and I mean, I heeded some of that myself in terms of the first time ever my wife and I spent Thanksgiving on our own, spent Christmas on our own, you know, much to the, you know, the disappointment, but the understanding of our parents who we normally would spend both of those holidays with. But yeah, and it is across the board, but it seems very specific and very targeted for people who are unvaccinated. And I suppose, Jackie, the transitions into something else that you and I have talked a little bit about, which is seeing now a spike, thankfully not a spike in infections, but a spike in vaccinations. I think over the last 24 hours, it's estimated in this country, there's been 1.4 million case uh, doses of the vaccine, Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, don't have the information in front of me. Uh, a lot of people being vaccinated for the first time, a lot of people circling back around getting their second shot. But these are numbers that they hadn't seen in, in quite some while, whatever the time period was. But about a million and a half people vaccinated over the past 24 hours, Jack, which sounds very good to me because we hadn't seen these numbers in a while. That's right. We hadn't seen them since uh, really the end of May, early June, before all of the reopenings took place. So now we're really seeing these numbers pop back up. And as I said last night, there are a couple reasons. One is just sheer uh, looking around and seeing the cases and seeing the impact of not being vaccinated. That is driving some folks. And the other part of that is the full authorization and perhaps increased outreach and uh, uh, an urgency from the powers that be. So all those things combined, and I think that numbers going higher is a great thing. It's going to give you more freedom. I mean, we're, we're going to get deeper and deeper into the year, and there's going to be more and more restrictions on those who have not yet been vaccinated. It's been a slow rollout, regardless of what you might think. This is, for public health, a pretty slow rollout of some of these mandates. They've been cautious with it, but I'm telling you, it's coming here by the end of the year. Jack, you watch any college football in the last 24 hours? I have very uh, briefly watched some, especially in high highlight form. Uh, I'm gearing up for my own football debut tomorrow with the University of San Diego. Um, so yeah, I'm really, I'm excited. I, I feel like the metaphorical seasons are changing, even though it's going to be 90 degrees in parts of the county this weekend. I feel like uh, with college football here, I'm ready to go. Okay, I don't bring that up just to completely switch gears, but what do you notice when you see any of these highlights or when you tune in and watch one of these college football games? There's tons of people there. Tons of people there, and a lot of these places also, they are mandating that you're vaccinated yes. or show proof of a negative yes. test. So when you're seeing some of the crowds, like what we saw at Central Florida last night, Virginia Tech earlier tonight, Minnesota hosted Ohio State, this might mean absolutely nothing to people who are listening, but we're seeing loud, raucous college football atmospheres and in a lot of these places they are mandating that you either are vaccinated or you have proof of a negative test. Now, we can spend all night talking about ways around this sort of stuff. Bottom line is this is what is being requested of the public in a lot of different places in the United States, not just here in California. This is being requested of the public in places like Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Right. Not exactly a destination, a, a great bastion of uh, liberal sentiment. So, you know, that is being done in so many of these different places, Jack, I think might be motivational in terms of helping increase some of these vaccine numbers. Right. And, and you're going to see it even more as the NFL starts up next weekend, too. Um, you know, places like Las Vegas, right? Las Vegas, not exactly like, you know, uh, toe in the line on everything in the world. But it's uh, you're going to see a lot more of it. You're going to see the vaccine uh, requirements or the negative tests. You're going to see, um, you know, places with masks. That's a little different uh, for the indoor setting later on this year. But 
but you're going to see a lot more of that. Places can't have the liability. They cannot have the liability. They're going to be facing lawsuits, etc., and they don't want people to get hurt. So they want the they want people to be comfortable and enjoy themselves because that's what keeps people spending money and coming back. And this is one of the ways to do that as a private business. It's interesting when it comes to motivation, right? Because you would think that a vaccine would would be motivational in and of itself. Because hey, like this is a great way to help you from getting really sick if in fact you come in contact with somebody who's COVID nineteen positive. And you would think maybe that would be enough. But then we've also talked a little bit about incentives. We've talked about incentives here in the state of California. Some of the stuff that we saw Gavin Newsom when he was turning into part-time game show host. Some of that silliness when he's spinning these big wheels and all that sort of stuff. We talked about some of the motivation in other states. Some of the incentives in other states. Like they were giving away guns like in West Virginia. Hey, know your audience, right? You know, go ahead, get vaccinated. We are eligible to win a gun. Right. Fantastic. Wonderful. Like, you know, we saw a lot of this. People just giving out straight cash all across the United States. But I think one of the other ways, for whatever reason, you know, if you're like, oh, I just don't know yet. I mean, do you want to go to a college football game? Do you want to go to a sporting event? Because, you know, like you said, Jack, it's been a little bit slow in terms of the mandates, in terms of what would be expected following the Pfizer vaccine, getting full clearance from the FDA. But, you know, even if that's the motivation, if it's just simply so you can go to a college football game, Hey, I guess whatever it takes. Right. And again, you know, they're not necessarily doing it. Um, you know, the, the motivation of protecting the general public may not even be on the top of these people's list. We don't know what their motivation is. Sometimes maybe they want to help, um, but really it's about you know, safety mm-hmm. in their own area, liability, safety, protecting people when they're under their own responsibility. And then if it helps the general good, then great. That's that's awesome as well. This is a business. And in a, in a business, these college football teams, these conferences, these NFL teams, they don't want games canceled. They lose out on money and exactly. revenue and tickets and TV money and all these things. Uh, the players at the professional level don't want to lose on paychecks. There's motivation for everybody here to make sure their product makes it there and make sure you, the customer, has a good time. You'll be interested in this, Jack. Over on the sports side, over on Extra 1360, this is the term that actually gets kicked around an awful lot in sports when it comes to getting players vaccinated for baseball, for college football, for pro football, for anything. That being vaccinated represents a competitive advantage. That's right. If you are not vaccinated, that represents a competitive disadvantage because the rules are different in terms of contact tracing. I mean, they are wildly different based on contact tracing. Doesn't mean that you tested positive. Doesn't mean that you have symptoms. Just purely contact tracing. You're talking about having to be away from a team for a full week to 10 days, depending on the sport. Much different. All you need to do is is like go a day, no symptoms, pass a negative test, and you're right back out there practicing and playing with your team and other if you are fully vaccinated. You mentioned it last night. The CDC says if you are fully vaccinated and you come in contact with somebody who's tested positive, all you got to do is go get a test. You do not have to quarantine. Mm-hmm. You don't have to miss time at work. You don't have to miss time anywhere else. You there, there are different sets of rules. So it represents you might have a team that might have to forfeit a game. You know, think about your own business. You might have a, a delivery company or a bank or whatever, wherever you work. Maybe you can't open your doors one day because you don't have enough people to man those front lines. It's a competitive advantage to make sure that everybody's on the same page there. All right, coming up, uh, we'll spend a couple of minutes talking about college football. One year from today, we'll tell you why that is important, September 3rd, 2022. I know we're all just trying to figure out September 3rd, 2021 and the upcoming weekend. That's upon us here. Labor Day weekend. Darren and Jack, it's News Radio 600 Kogo. Welcome back, Darren and Jack. It is News Radio 600 Kogo. Nobody knows you like you. That's why iHeart is giving you your very own station. It's called My Favorites Radio. It's a station that plays nothing but the songs that you've thumbed up. You can even show off your amazing musical taste 
and share your station with friends. My Favorites Radio, only on iHeart. Number one for music, radio, and podcasts, all in one app. What an app, the iHeart Radio app. Darren and Jack with you. Speaking of college football, Jack, one year from today, San Diego State is going to open up its new stadium there in Mission Valley. I drove past it this morning. I happened to be on Friars Road. Had a business meeting this morning at about 9 a.m., a little bit closer over towards Fashion Valley Mall. So drove right across Friars, right over the 15 freeway so I could make it up here to Sarah Mesa so I could make it to the iHeart offices. Man, that sucker looks like it's ready to go, but they got a year before the first official event will be at whatever it's going to be called, Aztec Stadium in Mission Valley. Oh, man, can't wait. It's really uh, it's coming along nicely. I, too, uh, just drove by it recently. Um, there's a lot more up than I would have expected just a year out, and I have said that throughout the entire process because they've been ahead of the game. They've been ahead of schedule here, ahead of the normal schedule, I should say. They've been on their own timeline, but been ahead of the schedule that you might normally consider for something of that magnitude. And so it's coming up quick, and in a year you will see a transformed Friars Road and Mission Valley site uh, with the old stadium already gone and the new one already in place. You know, it's that's an interesting part of the story, and I'm sure this has been chronicled and it's been documented. I had an opportunity recently to speak with the athletic director at San Diego State, John David Wicker, and he was telling me, you know, remember it was a little bit controversial when they decided, and I don't know if the controversial is the right word, let's just say it was a little bit of a surprise when San Diego State decided, after it purchased the land and purchased the stadium, it just decided... All right, that's it. That's that. We're we're tearing this place down. No more events here at SDCCU Stadium. Remember that? Like it was sort of met with a little bit of confusion. People were a little bit surprised, you know, that they just decided like that's it. This 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 stadium has held its final event. We're gonna knock it down. We're gonna go play in Carson, California, which is their, where they're gonna play tomorrow. I mean, we remember that, right? But you know, as it turns out now, Jack, through the pandemic. That decision actually, and yeah, you know, listen, I'd love to give JD Wicker a ton of credit on this for having foresight. I don't know that he exactly saw this coming, but in terms of supply chains and things along those lines, he was telling me recently how they decided to play one more season there. Man, they would be behind schedule because so many of the supply chains have been impacted by the pandemic and the cost of everything is through the roof. So starting it when they did has turned out to be an enormous blessing just in terms of being able to complete that project. Yeah, they've hit all the right notes. I mean, that part is not uh, to be debated. The reason why that decision was so surprising and a little bit off-putting at the time was because they never mentioned it on the campaign trail. Then, right. Remember, this went to a public vote. So they made the right decision now because they're on timeline. In fact, they're ahead. I mean, I, I'm telling you, the impressiveness of getting this thing done by September 3rd of next year, exactly one year from today, is incredible. So that's so impressive. But at the time, when they made that decision, not to mention the fact that they went to the same location that the former team in that building had gone to, which yeah. was uh, ironic. Not great optics. No, but they turned out to have made the right call. The reason it was so, uh, you know, the optics were so bad, too, was because that was something that, that never was brought up on the campaign trail. There was a, assumptions made by a lot of people in town, whether other sports teams, other sports events, other concerts, whatever, that the old venue would still be there as they built the new one in the same parking lot, and that turned out not to be true, but it doesn't matter. Now, it's going to be in place here next year, and they only have seven games up in Carson, and it'll be over before you know it, and they'll be playing in Mission Valley, which will be awesome. I do think that is so interesting, though, that had they waited, again, just the same way yeah. anybody who's tried to order any furniture That's recently, totally. anybody who's tried to build a house, anybody who's tried to do upgrades on a house, you know, people are like, oh, we're backed up for several months. You yeah, know, yeah. Good luck trying to get that lumber. <laughs> you know, good, good luck trying to get those widgets. 
you know, you can't like everything now has got a delay on it. So from that standpoint, he was telling me, he's like, man, like we, we dodged a bullet on that because, you know, had we waited, we would be in that situation. And even if you could get it, it would cost more to go get it. So again, I don't know. Luck is the residue of design, as somebody once upon a time said, Jack. And maybe it's luck. Maybe it's design. Maybe the two are sort of operating hand in hand in this situation. But I'm with you, you know, 20 seconds here. You drop past it. You're like, man, the lights are on. It looks like we're ready to go. Yeah. You know, like, like, let's go. Let's get, let's get it. Why do we have to wait a year? But, man, that place is going to be something else. Oh, it's going to be great. One year from today, San Diego State and Arizona College football. There you go. Oh, man. Uh, that'll be a tough ticket to get. We'll take a timeout. We're back after this. On News Radio 600. Welcome back, Darren and Jack. It's News Radio 600. Kogo here on a Friday night on this third day of September. Labor Day weekend eve with you till the top of the hour here at 8 p.m. Jack was asked a question earlier today, and I always like when I get asked questions because I'm like, okay, stand by. Let me go. I'll ask Jack tonight on Kogo, and I'll get back to you. I'll text you a little later. I'll let you know what Jack says. But a colleague of ours asked me if I've ever received an antibody test, antibodies test. And I said, no, never really thought about it. Wouldn't really know where to go do it, although I'm sure you can figure that out really, really quickly. And then I saw a little earlier this evening as we were preparing to come on that it's estimated that one in eight people in the United States had COVID. And I sort of thought to myself, I wonder how many people have had COVID and never realized it because they were asymptomatic or they thought maybe they had a mild cold or, you know, they weren't fully, um, you know, dealing with symptoms here that would, would, you know, give you reason to think that you went ahead and had to go get a COVID test. And I just sort of thought to myself, you know, one in eight, I mean, that's, one in eight is a significant number. I, I mean, I don't know the math on that, but like one, one in eight feels like like that's significant in the United States for people to have had COVID. And it made me think maybe, I don't know, should should people be going and getting antibody tests? That's a great, great question with so many levels. First of all, uh, I, like you, I've been looking up stuff on this. In fact, uh, last night I read a study out of UC San Diego that estimated that the virus kind of originated in China somewhere around the middle of October which means we're coming up on two years to the virus being first introduced into the human population in this on this planet so we're two years out from that by shy of a month or so let's say so we're 23 months removed so it is naive to think that in 23 months around the world many people would have already had such a a disease such a virus uh, and survived it and to your point I think it was true before the Delta variant that there were people who had it and didn't know it, or people who had something that they thought might have been a severe flu way back at the end of 2019 or early 2020. Um, I forget the exact time that it came into the U.S., but there's that portion. And then now with the Delta variant, which is so much more transmissible, but so much less impactful to those who are vaccinated, I bet there's a ton of people who have had it and don't know it, or, or maybe suspect but never confirmed that they had it indeed. And the reason it would be important to start testing people for antibodies is to really know where we're at in terms of full immunity. Because you, if you were to add a portion of the population that had natural immunity to the portion of the population that's been vaccinated, now we're really cooking in mm. terms of protection. But to answer your, your first question, I myself have not had an antibody test. Uh, I had the option when I was trying to get back into the U.S. to, to get one, and I chose the regular PCR test because so, I didn't know which one would count, and I figured I'd be safe and, and choose the one that I've had You know, now 20 times over the course of the pandemic. 
So I, I wonder, you know, I don't think it's necessary, um, but if they're start offering them for free, maybe it's a good indicator of populations and kind of where we stand. Are they offering them for free? Can I you go? I mean, I've been traveling a lot on my way home. I've, I've not so willy-nilly, but I've been stopping by San Diego State on a weekly basis to go ahead and get tested. Again, fully vaccinated, just because, you know, Delta seems to be everywhere, and I've got responsibilities just like you do. You know, we're around a professional sports team, so... Yeah, I just want to stay ahead of it. It's not a major inconvenience. You know, you're sort of used to the the uh, Q-tip up the nose thing by now. But you know, just just for my own peace of mind and for the peace of mind of others around me, you get the results back in a couple of hours, so it's really no big deal. But where would I? What would I want to? Again, I suppose I can Google this. But like, where would you go and get an antibody test? Uh, you can get them in, in a bunch of places. Uh, your your doctor would know. Your healthcare provider would know. They're they're readily available. Um, the the reason we all took the PCR test, especially pre-vaccine, was because we needed to know at that moment mm-hmm. if you were carrying the virus. So if you were shedding virus, or if you had, if you were carrying the virus, they needed to know it at that exact moment. So you went into quarantine. It's a little less important now because of the vaccines and the protection that everybody else has, but that's still important to know whether you are symptomatic and spreading or whether you know you've had it in the past is a much different thing. So that's why the yes or no immediate test became the standard for everybody to have. I think it's more of a curiosity now. And by the way, I don't know the answer to how, if you're vaccinated, how that impacts you having antibodies uh, does here. I don't know if they can tell. I imagine they can, but I wouldn't know for sure. Well, I, I mean, the way it's been described, at least you know, according to our reporting partners over at Voice of San Diego, recently is like you're like a super trooper if you're fully vaccinated and you have antibodies in sure. your system. Yeah, you know that makes you just about as bulletproof as it gets as it relates to COVID nineteen. That, that is a good point. Again, you know, I'm, I would hope that these tests would distinguish between vaccine created antibodies and natural hmm. antibodies. Oh, I see so, what you're saying. Yeah. You're saying that if you have the vaccine, right. mm-hmm. hmm. but, but is I, the so, vaccine injecting antibodies into you? No, it's creating. So it's injecting the the. It's creating your body's ability to fight it off by introducing something that looks like the virus. Then your body creates the defense mechanism, and then it has it. So when you actually get attacked by the virus, you can fight it off. So. I, th- I would guess the test can differentiate. I just don't know because I've never taken one. Me neither. And I'm kind of curious to take one out, just yeah. again. But but what you're saying, though, if you're a fully vaccinated person, this isn't going to give you any clarity as to whether or not you've actually had COVID-19 and you just didn't know it. Like Because I've never tested positive for COVID-19. So I have no real reason to think I've ever had COVID-19. But I'm guessing that there's been countless people around the world who have had it and who just haven't known it because they were asymptomatic. So from that standpoint, like if I'd like to know if I have it definitively because I'm fully vaccinated, I might not be able to get that answer through an antibody test. I just don't know. I don't know for sure. I don't want to steer you the wrong way. Well, you better not because it's a public health crisis if you steer me the wrong direction. That's right. Exactly. So again, I would say take the PCR, the yes or no test. If you're looking to know at that moment whether you have it and you whether you can spread it that's the test you take and so that's the more important one even in this late but that's not the test i want i want to know know if i've had the antibodies i want to know if i've had COVID. go for it i think you can do it i think you go for it i think you know satisfy the curiosity and if you do have the natural antibodies to your point you're even that much more protected yeah that's what i want to know that's what i I mean that's that's what i want i want to know if i have the natural antibodies yeah, well, then I think I would call your doctor and or go, uh, you know, your pharmacist and ask the question. I think they would absolutely be able to provide you with the answer. Hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Definitively. Yes. They could tell me that if I've had COVID, I just didn't know it. I think they can. Yes. Hmm. So let's see. Let's figure it out. I don't know why more people aren't curious about this. I feel like this should be a bigger deal. 
Well, because the vaccine is the number one thing. Well, okay, but I'm, I'm I mean, been there, done that. Now I'm just waiting on booster shots, and I also <laughs> would like to know now if I've had COVID, okay, and yeah. I just didn't know it because sure. I see one in eight, and I go, you know, it could. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe you're like, oh man, that really crazy flu that I had right before. There right were a before. lot of funky people in this building. I will tell you that right now. I'm not going to name any names, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Right. There were some people who had some funk going on right before we all got shipped back home at the beginning of March. Like in February around this building, there was something floating around in the air inside of iHeart. I hope I'm not saying anything that's going to give me trouble. But there were some people who were dealing with stuff, and like I, you know, in hindsight, y'all kind of wonder. I wonder what that was. Okay, so yeah, so if you, maybe if you, you know, somebody got sick and you know you got back in February uh, of last year, okay, you know maybe it is, or maybe I don't know. I uh, I think again, the, the number one thing is to get the vaccine, and then we'll worry about that. But it is interesting if we got a full coverage of whether people had it uh, and got vaccinated or had it and didn't get vaccinated, we would be able to add those numbers up. Hmm. I saw a story today, too, and they were talking about, we mentioned a little bit earlier, over the last 24 hours or so, it's estimated 1.4 million Americans have been vaccinated, a number that we hadn't seen quite in a couple of months. A little later on in the body of the story, Jack, it was interesting phrasing. So again, I'll toss this past you because it caught my eye. And it said, and I quote, just 61.7% of eligible Americans have been vaccinated. Just 61.7%. About 175 million or so have received one shot or are fully vaccinated. Is that a just as in only number for you? 61.7% of eligible Americans? Does that number seem low to you? About right? Is it just? Is it disappointing? Like, Because again, maybe I'm interpreting wrong, but I see just and I'm like, hmm, that's it's an interesting way to start the sentence. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, given how long and how widely available for free the vaccines are, I would consider that to be low, especially because of where we are in San Diego. Just to use our little county, which would be the 30th largest state if it was its own entity, as an example, we're at 85%, 86% now. 86% of San Diego's had at least one shot. So those two numbers, that's a pretty big difference. And so, yeah, I would, I think I would use just, and because until I got to somewhere around the 80% mark, uh, maybe mm. 75, 80, I, I think just is okay. Mm. Just. Yeah, okay, just. good. Yeah. So the just is justified. In just this case. is justified. Yeah. Jack is saying just is justified. You say that five times fast, everybody <laughs> out there. Yeah, I saw that. I kind of caught my eye. I went, huh. I wonder what projections were. You know, I, I mean, we heard what President Biden said using a timeline of July 4th, and we came up well short of that. But you know where we are now heading into Labor Day weekend, again, another benchmark moment on, on, this, on the calendar for whatever that's worth. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder what we would have projected or hoped for in this situation. Well, they, like you said, they wanted to get to 70, 75% by July 4th. Here we sit on mm. uh, September 4th almost, and we're you know at 60 whatever percent. So 61.9. I'm sorry, yeah. I said 61.7. It's 61.9 just to update. Uh, all right. So, you know, yeah, I, I think that that would be a disappointing number for the for those who were in charge. Of the, again, given that this that we have had vaccines since December 14th, and we're now sitting here in September of the next year, and we haven't gotten to. Um, what the beginnings of herd immunity start to be, which is 70, 75%. I think that would be disappointing. Hmm. 
We're not going to have a traffic jam here, are we, when people start going for their booster shots? If we're starting to see an uptick in people getting vaccinated for the first time, as mentioned, 1.4 million doses estimated over the last 24 hours in the United States. If all of a sudden all of us who are fully vaccinated go running off to our pharmacies to go get our booster shots, are we going to create a little bit of a traffic jam here? Are we prepared for that? Are we dealing with a surplus? It's interesting. So... Uh, the governor has mentioned that California is ready to roll them out. You know, believe uh, the U.S. government if you want to or not. It's up to you. Um, the governor says California is ready to roll it out. It will be staggered. So first you'll get uh, the immunocompromised. Then it will start to be on a staggered rollout six or eight months after your last shot, which means a slow number of people first and a large number of people later, giving you time to backfill the stockpile. Uh, the U.S. government is investing in manufacturing sites. Pfizer says they have enough vaccines. So everybody says the right things right now. So I'm going to go ahead and say we're going to be okay, uh, especially given the fact that since only 60-something percent of people have got it, we've got a lot laying around, ready to go. Uh, I think I think we'll be okay. Uh, come the third shot. Do you have a quick thought on uh, what I uh, alluded to there with a little bit of uh, snark in my tone about the County Board of Supervisors voting 3-2 in favor of declaring health misinformation, public health misinformation to be a public health crisis? You know, if you... Oh, boy, this one's going to be studied in uh, yeah. all sorts of free speech classes for the for the foreseeable future. Right. I mean, if you if you look at the letter of what was passed in the resolution by the Board of Supervisors, 3-2 on party lines, all they're going to do is launch a website and maybe some social media channels and um, put out some documents and some flyers and some online you know material and says, please do this, please don't do this. So at its, its basis level, really nothing happened. It's much more of a headline-grabbing thing than what actually is happening here in San Diego. But uh, those books that you're talking about, those free speech classes you're talking about mm. here, that gives people the heebie-jeebies if you start telling you know everybody that not only do we disagree with what you say, but now we're going to legislate your ability to say it or not say it. That starts to get a little wonky. Uh, if you go even further. So that's what people are worried about in this initial step. I would say that that is a legitimate concern. I understand the spirit of what it is that is being discussed here, but people do worry about, you know, I've had an Irish grandmother who used to have a remedy for everything was that you just put a little bit of Irish whiskey in your tea and you'd sweat it out before you went to bed. <laughs> I don't know that that would be cleared by the CDC or the FDA. That said, like, you know, I realize that that's a bit of an extreme when we're talking about home remedies or witches brews, things along those lines. But I know that, that, you know, this is, I mean, we all see the same videos, right? Like we all see the same people addressing in public commentary, city council, or speaking to the County board of supervisors. And I don't know where people are getting some of this stuff. I mean, it's, this, you know, I, I see it as the same level of crazy as everybody else, but I, you know, I, I don't know that that's, is that a public health crisis? I, I mean, gosh, it's, that's an interesting one to pay attention to. It really is. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to say, hey, every time somebody says something that we think is wrong medically, we're going to put it on our website, the thing that we think is right. right. That, that's, one, that's one thing to say that. But, you know, are there next steps? Are there penalties? Fines? Mm. Uh, is there jail time? Right? Like, you know, how Orwellian or, 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 well or, or 1984 do you get with things that you disagree with? As, as noble as the cause may end up being. I mean, it's one thing to say, please get vaccinated. It's another thing to say, you know, that there might be penalties or something else that happens. Now, it's not the case here. This is only an educational thing right now. 
But the, what people are worried about is 10 steps down the line, uh, is somebody going to jail for saying something like this? Is some, right? Like, it'll, it'll be very interesting. And like you said, uh, I mean, the, the, I mean, if, if, you know, if, if the uh, breakdown of the county supervisors favored Republicans, this would not be a public health crisis, right? Like this sort of misinformation, this, this quote unquote health misinformation would not be a public health crisis. But because the Democrats have control of the county, then it is a public health crisis, right? So, like, like that sort of speaks to, you know, even some of the you know, the gray area of this whole conversation. Yeah, and, it, and we've had a gray area the entire pandemic. You know, which things get shut down and which things are legally protected and can't be shut down. Um, where is the line on that? Whose jurisdiction is it? And is everything a public health crisis in the literal sense or in the ancillary sense? And how far do you get to go? Well, that's why you have elected officials. And mm. so those are things to think about. As we keep saying, elections yeah, have consequences. Right. That's right. And, you know, again, right, wrong, not sure. Just know that, that this would probably be 3-2 if the board breakdown was more Republicans than Democrats. And then we wouldn't have this as a public health crisis. Anyway, something to, just some, some light topics yeah. for you to think about over Labor Day weekend. We'll be back after this on News Radio 600 Kogo. Join the Give Local movement on September 9th. It's presented by PNC Bank, committed to the San Diego community. San Diego Gives, it's... Oh, man, I'm so sorry. San Diego Gives is a 24-hour event to support local causes. Learn more at sandiegogives.org. sandiegogives.org. Well, Jack, we talked a little bit about Mission Valley, and I know we keep one eye on what's happening in the Midway District. A little bit of news coming out of the sports arena site today. Yeah, Steve Tadlock's going to be the new GM there. He comes from Fresno State's uh, Save Mart Center in the Central Valley, uh, similarly sized uh, arena. And so it's just a reminder, you know, first of what the Hahn family and Ernie Hahn have done uh, for that site over the last three decades, but also that it's going to be continued to operate in pretty similar fashion until the city figures out what it wants to do there over the next two years or so. We're still going to have concerts, still going to have sporting events and swap mates and the whole thing. So that is a functioning site as it exists for the sports arena for, I would say, the next two years at least least if not much longer ever been to the swap meet i have i've been to, i dr at least driven by it oh well that's, uh, that's i don't know that i didn't like go the, in there and like yeah. swap stuff like is that what goes so. on there uh, yeah uh, you didn't go in there and barter i don't think for I some did. pelts but i think i've been there like i think i've been there during sporting events Either the, the setup was happening or something else so i know the traffic and all the uh all the setup that goes into that area which is a pretty large parking mm. lot I mean, decades with the Han family name oh, yeah. associated with that piece of property. I mean, that is legacy right there. Yeah, that's uh, that that we're, we'll have plenty more shows. Oh yeah, coming on the sports arena site and the Midway District as well. Jack, have an outstanding weekend. We'll see you Sunday. Absolutely, buddy. Three o'clock. Let's do it. Three o'clock. We'll see you down there at Torero Stadium for San Diego Loyal and LA Galaxy Two for Jack Cronin and Darren Smith. Enjoy your holiday weekend, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. See you Tuesday on News Radio Six Hundred Cogo. <laughs>